Hello, I'm Christopher Reibold, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called The Grateful Pilgrim by Christopher Reibold. Long ago, in the days when Alfonso was emperor of Spain, there lived a man named Isidore, who worked as a farmhand amid the rolling hills and rocky mesas of southern Castile. There, in the valley of the Manzanares, Isidore made his home, within view of the distant Guadarrama Mountains and the old Moorish citadel of Almudaya that still kept watch over the countryside. Isidore was a giant of a man, and driving the oxen through his master's fields had once left him strong and fit. The passage of time, however, had started to take its inevitable toll. He could no longer furrow a field in a day, and his labors left him sore and aching. He could feel the advancing years in his bones and see them in the graying of his beard. Not far from Isidore's cottage, there was a small stone church. The church was old and falling into ruin. The bell tower was empty, so there was no call to prayer, no peal to mark the beginning and end of the workday. Still, the church opened early each morning so that those who wished could attend Mass or say a few prayers. Many plowmen and corkers began their day in this way, and it was Isidore's custom to rise early and walk to the little stone chapel, regardless of weather or season. Isidore was a man of exceptional piety, a piety that earned him the enmity of some of his co-workers. They made jokes at his expense and complained to the landowner that Isidore spent too much time in prayer and not enough time behind the plow. Still, Isidore was well-liked and well-regarded by most of the people who knew him. He was also known for his charity, never reluctant to share what little he had with a friend or a neighbor or a stranger in need. Though he rarely thought of himself, Isidore had one deeply held personal wish. He wished to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He wished to see all of the places named in the Gospels, Bethlehem and Nazareth and Capernaum and Jerusalem, the places where our Lord lived and preached and endured his passion. Poverty and age, however, meant that it was now very unlikely that Isidore would ever have an opportunity to travel so far from home. Late one summer day, when the fields were a golden sea of ripening grain and the strawberry trees were in bloom, Isidore made his way home to find a beggar waiting at his door. The man was old and spindly with bare feet and long, wispy white hair that wafted about his head with each passing breeze. His broad and crooked smile revealed a handful of teeth, broken, yellow, and ready to give way. Over a rough and tattered tunic, he wore a thin burlap cloak, wrapped tightly about his person in the fashion of a pilgrim. In his right hand, he carried a long staff, and over his shoulder he wore a scrip on a long leather strap. On a coarse string tied about his waist, he wore a pierced scallop shell that identified him as a man on his way to Santiago de Compostela. The stranger did not identify himself, but begged a little food and shelter for the night. 
Isidore invited him in, lit a fire, and prepared a meager supper for the two of them to share. He could only offer a little cheese, a little wine, and some thin barley gruel. But the pilgrim accepted these gratefully, and the two men sat down to eat. As they ate, Isidore asked the pilgrim about his travels. The pilgrim was indeed on his way to Santiago de Compostela, but he had spent most of the last three years in the Holy Land, where he had visited all of the places that Isidore most longed to see. The stranger told Isidore of the ancient and mysterious pyramids of Egypt, of the desert wilderness of the Sinai, and of the strange salinity of the Dead Sea. However, it was his description of the sights associated with the ministry of Jesus that most intrigued Isidore. Again and again, Isidore asked the elderly pilgrim to tell him about Bethany beyond the Jordan where John lived, and Cana where Jesus attended the wedding feast, and Jacob's well where our Lord spoke with the Samaritan woman. Again and again, the old man patiently answered Isidore's questions in great detail. The old pilgrim described the perfumed scent of the red and gold wildflowers blooming across the hillside where Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount, and the dark silhouette of Mount Tabor rising abruptly against the afternoon sky in the Jezreel Valley. He spoke of the little fish that swim in the warm, clear spring at Caesarea Philippi, where Peter first identified Jesus as the Messiah, and on and on until he had vividly recounted in every detail all of the places that he had visited. The two men talked well into the night, but in time they grew tired. The fire began to fade, and Isidore drifted off to sleep. It wasn't long, however, before he found himself awake and standing on a hillside. He was startled by a voice from behind him. When Isidore turned around, he saw a young man dressed in fine robes who glowed with a celestial light. The young man seemed oddly familiar. Then, suddenly, Isidore realized that the young man was the old pilgrim, now transformed, magnificent, and radiant like the sun. Clearly an angel sent by the Lord. The angel spoke to Isidore. He told Isidore that they were standing in the field where the shepherds first heard that the Savior had been born. Then the angel pointed to a dusty little village in the distance, a humble place of rough stone houses and rough dusty streets, where the sound of baying animals and a constant clang of sheep bells filled the air, a village that could only be Bethlehem. An instant later, Isidore found himself much nearer to the village, standing in front of a little cave that served as a stable, its floor littered with straw. The angel simply smiled, and Isidore understood that Jesus had been born in this little manger. The angel waved his hand, and the two of them were at once transported to Nazareth. After that, they flew to Capernaum, where they walked along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, then instantly on to Jerusalem. There they saw the site of the old temple and the Mount of Olives, and came as near as they could to the former site of Herod's Antonia Fortress, 
and the Praetorium, where Jesus was scourged and sentenced to death. As they made their way down the Via Dolorosa, following the way of sorrow, the angel recited the Stations of the Cross, until they came to Golgotha and Calvary, where Jesus had suffered on the cross. Finally, the angel concluded the tour with a stop at the ruined Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which had only recently been reopened to pilgrims. There, Isidore saw the tomb where Jesus had been laid to rest, and where he rose again on the third day. When Isidore had seen everything that his heart desired, the angel reached out and touched him on the forehead. Then he commanded Isidore to remember and to believe. Isidore awoke. He looked around and found himself alone in his little cottage. The old pilgrim was gone, the fire had died out, and the first rays of the rising sun were just now starting to shine through the windows. Everything was as it should have been at the start of a new workday. Everything except Isidore. For Isidore understood perfectly well that his experience had been no mere dream, that he had indeed been allowed, by a special grace, to make his pilgrimage. He was profoundly grateful. With tears in his eyes, he resolved to make this morning's Mass a time of special thanksgiving. He rose, took a few minutes to ready himself, and then set off for the little stone chapel to start his day. You've just listened to The Grateful Pilgrim, written and read by your door-to-door storyteller, Christopher Reibold. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.